Hey guys, welcome to yet another installment of the Delta Flyers. We are a weekly podcast that discusses episodes of Star Trek Voyager in chronological order. Your two hosts along this podcast journey are myself, Garrick Wong, aka Ensign Harry Kim, and Robert Duncan McNeil, who played Lieutenant Tom Paris. If you are interested in either an extended version of this podcast or the extended video version of this podcast, both of which include added bonus sexy segments, check out our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash the Delta Flyers and sign up to become a patron. Hey, Robbie, you like that intro? Yeah, you added a little sexiness to it. I want to. Uh-huh. I want to just. I want to tweak it just a little bit every time, just so yeah. it's not boring, right? All right. So this week it's a little sexy. All this right. scene. This this week is just a little bit sexy. Interesting. Right. Yeah. So Hi. what's been going on in your life right now? I know you're doing a lot more yard work. Is that I right? Am, I am. This uh, quarantine time and this kind of break in in work that I've got, I've never been so productive uh, in terms of housework. I have completely reimagined my backyard, my my deck, my back screened-in porch. I've been power washing. I've been building cable railings. I've been landscaping and planting. I've I've I had a company come and renovate uh, uh, some stuff on my pool. It's <laughs> like I feel like I'm in a brand new backyard. I just want to sit outside and enjoy it all the time. I have been to your house before, but not not since you've done all these additions and oh, all these modifications. I want to see it. Yeah. And I also have to say, if you get sick of directing, contracting. You could be a contractor after You know what? I'm not joking. <laughs> I would love it. You know, there's something about like making something or working on something. And then at the end of the day, you look at it and it's done. It's like you point to, I'm, I made that cable railing or I... I I power wash that whole back deck or, yeah, you know, whereas sometimes in show business, it's like you work really hard, but then you don't see it for months. And then by the time it comes on, it's like, you're on to the next thing. And it all seems kind of like you're just working in this weird, like, other dimension that's not in real life. So yeah, I, I've enjoyed the, the work. The, the payoff is immediate when you're doing manual labor and around oh your God, own yeah. house. It's, you feel, you look at it, you see the progress, you're doing it. And plus when you're in the entertainment field, especially if you're filming a TV show um, <clears throat> and you're doing uh, remodeling of your house uh, at that time, there, most of the time you don't have the time to do any of this and you have to hire somebody to do all this. Cause I remember when I, was on Voyager, I was completely, you know, um, yeah. just uh, swamped with filming, and I had a contractor that had to remodel my house, and I was dealing with all that. Uh, I remember that. Yeah. And you're never uh, around to really enjoy the, you know, when you're working that hard, even if you're getting something fixed at your house, you're not even there to enjoy it. That's so true. That, that's the other thing. I was like, this time, because usually I, I have sh- less time off in this quarantine and COVID-19, everything's given us this year a lot of time off. And I thought, you know what, instead of waiting until I'm working again to do the work, let me do it now so I can enjoy it. I can actually sit in the yard and enjoy the things, you know, the, the, the way that I've always wanted it to look and just let's do it now. So yeah. enjoy the fruits of your day. Yeah. All right. Okay. So this week's episode is prime factors. And for those of you who are just listening on our podcast, please stay tuned as Robbie and I go and watch this episode prime factors and we will come right back with our recap thanks a lot guys 
All right, guys, we are back from watching Prime Factors. Yes, Robbie, we are. Robbie, you know, when you said sexy, sexy. <laughs> I had no idea how appropriate that was going to be. Boy, were they hedonistic. Hey, and you know what? When you were when we were talking about what we remember before, um, yeah. and you had talked about, you know, that you felt that it was had something to do with the prime directive. I was you just absolutely right on I that was one. Just <laughs> making it up. But and then that's your, the title. your your second part about orgy, you know, or uh, is yes. and when I totally disagreed with you, I would have to say you were close, very close, because it was like an almost orgy because there's that crazy you know, that scene where Udana is about to to make out with Harry and she takes him to the euphoric you know, the place that has euphoric winds that hit yeah. your body and then Janeway is about to make out with Gath oh my right? god Jan Janeway and was all a flutter she, she was all, all a flutter the whole episode yeah so so yeah it was an almost orgy right yeah it and, was uh, I also find it interesting that the this episode is the episode where you're never really sure what these people's names are in terms of how they're pronounced. Because at times I thought his name was Gaff, like G-A-F-F, -F, and yeah. then Gav, G-A-V, and then Gath, Gath. I mean, there was, I was like, what the, what the heck? And then Yudana, when she introduces me to the guy that's trying to give us the uh, right. technology, she says, like, listen to Garrett. I could have sworn she said Garrett. My Garrett. Name, right? Right. No, but then later it's Jarrett is what they said, I think, Janeway. Jarrett? And you heard Gareth. So there's, a, again, it's like the episode of names we cannot pronounce correctly. I can't quite understand. They're quite all understand. very vague. What yeah. the heck? So here's the one thing I will say. Yes. That, that was like in the middle of the episode, I went, oh, I remember this episode now. Oh, yeah. I loved the whole idea of trading that stories are valuable. To yes. me, I remember when I read this script and we were making it, I, I, I was just like, oh my God, what a great like original story idea. Because in a way, in our human experience, like we have, we wrap stories around everything in our life, our past, our future, how the work, you know, the life we want to create for ourselves, the lessons, the places we learn lessons from, even religion is built on stories. And, mm -hmm. you know, everything in our life is built on stories. So I thought it was fascinating that there was a culture who had sort of run out of stories and that just everything else in their life was taken care of. So stories were the most valuable thing. That was a big memory for me. And, and I really like that idea. I love that. Before we get too much more into the analysis, um, can can we have a quick uh, thirty second synopsis of this episode? Well, I would. My synopsis would be uh, Voyager again early on their journey back home, desperate to find a way to make this impossible trip, stumble across a planet where every need is taken care of, and the only thing they live for is pleasure. This uh, planet also has technology that could allow Voyager to, to get more than halfway home instantaneously. It could cut their trip down dramatically and really put them within possibly reach of, of getting home in their lifetime. But they come face to face with their own prime directive. Uh, this culture has the same the same uh, set of rules 
where they can't share technology. So Voyager and Janeway and the crew are all caught in uh, a, tr a, a trap, in a choice of mm -hmm. following their own rules, uh, respecting their own rules, and or respecting this planet's rules. And that's ultimately what it comes down to, sort of a moral choice of, are our laws and rules more important than someone else's laws and rules? And are our needs more important than their laws and rules? Yeah. Um, it's, it, was a, it was a great concept. Yes. That was more than 30 seconds, but yeah. That's okay. <laughs> That's okay. So prime factors, um, I just want to start off by saying that in the very beginning scene, obviously we see it's Tom and Harry having dinner together or lunch or whatever. And we see that whole banter between Seska and Bellana. By the and, way, the uh, most crowded I ever saw the mess hall. I've never yes. seen so many people. Yes. So many people in the mess hall. A lot of our background actors, unlike TNG and, and DS9, a lot of our background, we had regular background people because if you think about our crew complement on the USS Voyager, it was less than 200 people, right? So mm -hmm. we're gonna naturally see people over and over again. So that whole thing where we're talking back and forth, that banter between Seska and Bolana's table and our table, in the background was the one um, blonde gal who was always, I can't remember her name. She was in blue. She was yeah. sitting back kind of listening to our story, but she was there day in, day out as, a, as yeah. an extra. And, and, you know, we were, we were friends with these people because we saw mm -hmm. them so many times. We, we definitely spoke with them. Um, we had good banter. Um, whereas there's, there's typically a lot of, hmm, how do you say it? There's this, this sort of a cast system on the set, you know, when you, when you, when you talk about like, there's the actors here, the director's right here, the, cr the, the crew is here, and then at the bottom of the barrel, our background, you know, and it's they're really- not, Yeah, they're not, they're not treated very respectfully. No. It's a tough mm -hmm. job. And it's, yeah. and I, I just wanna share a quick story here. I was, um, <clears throat> to get my Screen Actors Guild card, um, I had to do, you either had a speaking role or uh, the new rule back in the 90s was if you did three days of extra work as a yep. Screen Actors Guild extra, you could get your guild card. Mm -hmm. So I did a day I did a day on um, Sequest DSV, the Roy Scheider submarine uh, uh, sure, yeah. episodic. And so when we had lunchtime, we broke for lunch. They had a, you know, they had a, a, a truck out there that was serving people. And the second AD was like, hey, just remember guys, your background, you guys eat after everybody else. So I let everyone, I let all the, the, the main actors, the, uh, the series regulars, including somebody who I went to college with, um, was a series regular on that show. Oh, wow. Uh, the crew, uh, everybody. And I let all the extras eat before I did. So I was being extra, ec I went above and beyond, right? right? And I remember after the last extra got his food, I actually went to place my order. But one stra scraggling, straggling grip walked up that hadn't ordered. Like he just, you know, he, I don't know where he was, but he, he came out and he walked up. And since I was in front of him, uh, the second AD came up and chewed me out and said, how dare you? You know, you get out, get out of oh, the no. line. You get out of the way right now. He has to order. Don't you, I, I told you before. And I looked at this woman and I said, listen, I heard you. Not only did I let the entire cast go and, and order before me and the crew, I let all the background actors order before me. I'm the very last person. This dude just walked up. I don't know if he was using the restroom or what, but this is the yeah. very, very last person. And you're screaming at me? And she goes, well, that's just how it is. 
And I looked at her, I said, you know what? When I'm a series regular, I'm going to let an extra go order before me. I'm just, I don't care. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm not going to uh, follow this caste system that's been, you know, that Hollywood right. has, has, right. has kind of put upon us. And she looks at me and she, she just kind of goes, eh, yeah, right. You're going to be on your own show. And sure enough, I've got on my own show. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and yeah, and I, there were many times when we were on location, you know, uh, extras would be standing in line and I'd come up to the food truck and they'd see me and they go, oh, oh sorry, Garrett. And they would kind of move up to the side. I go, no, 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 no. You please order, you know, you're yeah. a human being too. So I really made it a point to treat everybody equally. Yeah. Um, so it's just kind of cool to see these extras again that we haven't seen these background people that we worked with so much. Um, and I also want to just comment on the fact that there's a really tight relationship with Bolana and Harry, I feel, you know, there's, yeah. there's really, there's, and it, it started again from that whole beginning pilot episode where she called me Starfleet and I called her Maquis. And again, I kept thinking it's going to be a Harry, a Harry Bolana relationship, not, you know, yeah. up, you became her husband, but I, I just, again, this is another indication of that happening. It's so funny with Janeway's talking about, she's listening into our banter and she's like, I think it's finally beginning. Both crews getting along. And, and party pooper Tuvok is like, that kind of bonding should improve impo uh, performance and mac maximize efficiency, which is just, oh, why did yeah. you bring that up? You know, I, made this, I made the same note. That was a great line, like the Tuvok line. Yeah. yeah, this should improve, improve performance and maximize efficiency. Yeah. I was like, oh, so sweet, Tuvok. Very yeah. sentimental. How sentimental of you. Like, yes. Yeah, it was a perfect Tuvok line. By the way, let's go back for a minute. Uh, you say, uh, they ask you about the Delaney sisters and, uh, and I say, yeah, what happened to you and Jenny Delaney when you went off on that gondola? <laughs> and so obviously, uh, you had Jenny Delaney, uh, who's the other one? What was the other one? Cause that, I guess that's who <laughs> I got. If you had yeah. Jenny Delaney, what, what, what was the other one's name? <laughs> I don't Inquiring remember. Minds went to I know. I don't remember. You got Jenny Delaney though, and and Jenny is very voracious. Is is I think uh, the comment that that was made there. Yeah, and that's why I fell out of the gondola because I guess yes. she was trying to be so aggressive with me, yeah. right? Yes, and, you're uh, very shy and demure. <laughs> very um, shy and demure. We'll yeah. get to that a little bit later. We, we will. We will. So anytime that uh, Tuvok says something that's a little bit, you know, like a party pooper thing, I'm gonna call it the oh Tuvok moment so I'm just going to be <laughs> using that throughout our analysis from all right now. yes he definitely had an oh Tuvok moment yeah so um, we see the the, dis yeah. the distress call uh and it's from the Sicaris uh, Sicarian ship and now we see for the first time the magistrate right the Sicarian yes. magistrate let's who, talk about that for a minute he's got the matching uh wire hanger in his hair yes he does he's got sort of is it a bathrobe his chest is it's, all exposed. It's open. It's open he's, is very sensual. And and by the way, he's got a French accent. All right. Yes. What what how did a French accent get on the planet of Sakari in the Delta Quad? The same way that Picard spoke with a British accent. <laughs> he should have been well, French. I, I mean, you're right, you're right. How did a Sicarian come up with a French accent? Because yeah. nobody else, no other Sicarian has a French accent. None correct? of them had French accents. Yes. And if it's our universal translator, by the way, it would just be translating without any accent. They, they'd all have the same accent. So how did he have a French accent? I know that they wanted him to seem very, you know, 
seductive for Janeway and everything. But I found that to be, it just was like too much. Let's too just much. say, Robbie, that because he is the magistrate, he's so high up there that his sexiness is yes. so strong that it affected the universal translator. It actually came it out made, as a, it, yeah, it made it, it made the universal translator turn him into a Frenchman. Yeah, he just looked okay. like, he, he honestly, when he first said like, you're the one that's, that's in distress, we're not in distress. When, we first, when we first see him on the, on the view screen, and I kept thinking, this guy's a used car salesman. This guy is so oh, yeah. slick. He's just, mm. But she ate it up. Janeway ate it up. Let's she talk did. about, like, she totally bought it from the moment he started speaking. She was like, ooh, she was completely titillated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Janeway, she, I, we need to check her, her taste calibration yeah. a little bit she was a little off calibration like we go out of that act with her looking at the bathrobe guy and the wire hanger in his hair with a french <laughs> accent and i'm like oh no janeway this is going to be trouble and it was <laughs> it was trouble i i wrote i wrote down i like their wire hoop rings adorning their hair you called it a wire <laughs> it's a wire hanger. <laughs> or, or a hair wire you can the call it the hair wire. Okay, the hair wire. The Sakarian ship. I like the look of the ship that he had yeah. too. Like some was, some of the ships, the alien ships that we see, I'm like, eh, but this one I liked it. No, it was nice. It was like diamonds. It was just very <laughs> it was like a diamond collection. It's yeah. very beautiful. Okay, so we walk into the shopping mall set. We're walking into their onto their planet, and I see Tom Paris walking down the steps, and he walks past camera and never to be heard from again on that planet did i have lines that got cut or something like why was i on the planet speaking of speaking of extras like i felt like oh i just made an extra cross and i did absolutely nothing on the planet that was not you that was your background that was your stand-in right no, my my stand-in was sitting now my stand-in that first season he was sitting on the bench but that yes. was me that was me walking Oh, you did make a walk. Okay, yeah. all right. So just so everyone knows, when we first see the Sakarian uh, marketplace or whatever, and that camera angle, it's it's obviously on a crane, right? It's high up. It's we're yeah. looking down, yeah. And we see one person sitting in a red Starfleet uniform. That is Robbie's stand-in. At least one of the. Did you have more first, than one stand-in? I had stand -in? yeah, I had different stand-ins almost every year yeah. for a long time. Okay. Um, the first stand-in, and I wish I could remember his name, was a really lovely guy. He had just mm -hmm. come back that year before from the Marines yeah. and he had been a part of uh, the first Gulf War, yeah. uh, the, the Kuwait invasion and into Iraq. And yeah. um, he told me some stories about, he was he saw action up there and I think he really still struggled with some, some kind of emotional, you know. PTSD. PTSD from that and, and I, but I thought how, crazy that a year before that he was in at a war mm -hmm. you know or whatever two years before that in war and now he's sitting here on a set at paramount standing in for a, like it just was crazy i can't imagine how challenging that what must have been for him so definitely was his name jeff does that sound familiar I, maybe i really can't remember okay i'd That's hate to right. even guess i don't i don't remember that's all right. Um, what I did not remember, recall about this episode was when uh, I come across uh, Yudana, um, when she is using Playing. that little sensor. Yeah. yeah, and it looks like a musical instru instrument, but instead it's an atmospheric sensor that really looks like a futuristic harp. One thing about this race, 
they're so into pleasure. And I, and I found it interesting because in the TNG world, Ryza is the pleasure planet. And in the Delta Quadrant, obviously, Sakaris is the pleasure planet. They're very touchy-feely people. Like when she oh was showing God. me how to do that, she's completely grabbing my hand. And you see my reaction to when she's grabbing my, arm, my hand to, to wave it around on there. I'm just sort of like, whoa, you know, female yeah. touch. So. By the way, you know, everybody talks about Tom Paris was like the, the Captain Kirk. He was going to have like the female alien of the week. Uh, the thing that worked about Kirk was he seemed to always be sort of the victim of these alien females who were going after Captain Kirk. And Kirk was just there to do his job and he was innocent. He wasn't, you know, yeah. it just they were so attracted to Kirk that even though he was reluctant, they somehow in their alien way seduced him. Tom Paris could never have worked for that type of part because he was not this reluctant he was too aware of the women and things like mm. that. By the way, Harry gets a lot more action than Tom. <laughs> and, and it works, actually. Like, it works in the same way that Kirk, you're like, Harry is much more like Kirk than Tom was because Harry's always there and accidentally sort of getting involved with these women, but then he's reluctant because he's like, no, I've, I've got to do my job and I can't, even though I want to kiss you. <laughs> Very much like Kirk. Very much. Is it coincidence that Kirk and Kim both begin with K? Mm. Coincidence or not coincidence? coincidence. <laughs> okay, so I want to talk yeah. about how we um, we come back down after the first time we come to the planet. We come back. We come back down again. This time, Kim is not wearing his Starfleet uniform. He's wearing sort of his you know off-duty kind of regular garb um production called me up before we started filming this episode because when i first booked the role of ensign kim i asked them to make sure that they paid attention to i just didn't want anything that was stereotypically asian about kim like if i was in the mess hall i told them i don't please don't make him go up to the replicator and order a bowl of chow mein, you know, or a, yeah. a whatever it may be, or, or kimchi or something like that, you know? So they, they said, okay, we'll keep that in mind. And so they called me up and said, listen, we've got this piece of uh, wardrobe, this shirt that you're gonna wear, and it folds over, kind of like an Asian, you know, like a, a garment, it folds over. So we want you to, we want you to approve it because we know that you're, you're sensitive to this. And so they really, they were, you know, thinking about me. So I came down and, and I put on the, the, this shirt, which is what I end up wearing in this episode. <clears throat> and I looked at it, I said, you know, there's so many other things going on. There's a pattern, there's also uh, horizontal flaps, you know, so it really didn't come off as Asian to me. Mm -hmm. So I said, no, I think this is, this will be fine. And, and they said, well, this is a repurposed garment. It's been worn before by another Star Trek actor, you know, from TNG. And I said, oh, I said, that's cool. Who wore this? And they said, um, Patrick Stewart. And at that point, you know, I'm, I'm, I was, I've, always, I've always been a huge Patrick fan. So I said, oh, oh, well, of course, I, I could wear this as, as a turban or I could wear it as a diaper. I'll just, I'll just keep this, I'll wear this any way you would like me to wear this. Because the minute I knew this was Patrick Stewart's garment that he wore, I was pretty excited about that. So yeah. I got to wear that. Um, so when we come down, uh, Yvonne uh, Suhor, who plays Yudana, puts 
me on that one transporter pad, which I thought, how futuristic is that? You don't even need a transporter chief. You just say, it's voice activated. You just right. say where you want to go. Alastria, and then we're there, right? Which there. is amazing. Yeah. Um, Robbie, on that note, I just want to, I want to dedicate this episode to the actress who played Yudana, uh, Yvonne Suhor. She has yeah. since passed away. Um, I found out about it because of um, she was evidently teaching an acting school. She was teach she had an acting school in Orlando, Florida, and I had met somebody from um, Florida who had told me that they had gone to her school and and said that you know she passed away from can uh, pancreatic cancer. Uh, you know, a year ago or two years ago, something like that. And, yes, recently. And I saw, very I, recently. I looked her up as we were watching and I saw yeah. that on the internet. Yeah. It's very so, sad. Yeah, very it's very sad. sad. And, I, and I remember on set, she really, she had it together. I mean, she had it together. She was, I thought she was my age. She wasn't my age. She was older than me. She was older than you. She was born in 61. Not much. Yeah, she was. 1961. So oh. she's you know, three years older than you. She was seven years older than me. But she was very cool in that she was just talking to me. She had done a, a series regular in a show called Young Riders or something like that mm -hmm. for three seasons. And she just said, listen, you know, you're, you're, you're a very lucky person to have a series regular role right now. And um, don't waste your money. You know, she said, just be careful with your money. And, and she was just giving me advice. Um, she herself, with her money, she had bought, you know, like a an apartment complex, you know, maybe a mm -hmm. 16, something like that, where she was generating passive income from rent from that. And she was just very helpful and wow. a lot of little tips that she gave me. So um, very sad to report that she passed away. And, and I just want to dedicate this, this podcast yeah. episode. To her. She did a great job in the episode and I was sad really. to see that news. Yeah. Yeah. So you guys go to Alastria, which by the way, has a very quick sunrise. That sun came up like, <laughs> bam. It was like, whoa, there's a light and it's sunny. <laughs> it's like the fastest sunrise I've ever seen in my life. They don't have a 24-hour day there. They have a two-and-a-half-hour day is what that yeah, is. Yeah, it's, cra like, it's crazy. Wow. Yeah. yeah, a lot of touching. The touching continues. <laughs> We're just beginning the touching. She's touching you in all the places <laughs> as much as she can. And Rebecca turns to me, we're watching, Rebecca turns to me, she goes, oh my God, these people are so handsy. Yeah. And, and <laughs> that touchy, was early on. The touchy-feely like, race, yes, yeah, for yeah. sure. And, but because of the duty, the duty-minded ensign that I am, and I'm, I, you know, you can see, I'm, I'm having a debate in my mind. I'm like, okay, can I, should I totally make out with this alien? Well, girl? also you're under or, the influence of the wind. The euphoric wind. So the it was euphoric sort of wind, I'm it's gonna not call your them fault. It's the ecstasy winds. That's what it was. Yes. It was a total. And, and I'm going to call it the orgy wind. You can call it the orgy wind. By the way, did you feel like this planet looked like Avatar? Like as soon as you guys landed, I'm like, that looks like Avatar. Like there was fl purple flowers and like, oh. like all the all the colors of like a tropical Avatar type. There was wow. very much. I mean, it was long before Avatar, but yeah, I, I have a feeling maybe Avatar was inspired by this planet set. Yeah, so maybe Cameron was watching this Voyager episode, and he thought, and he's like, "Whoa, that that Alaria is an interesting place. Both begin with A." Yes, yes, right? Alastria, Alastria, Alastria. Sorry, yeah, yeah. Alastria. But, and then Avatar, Avatar. Exactly. So that, you're right. So I'm this just is saying, probably it looked very much like an Avatar. <laughs> um, we filmed that on stage 16. 
Um, that I remember that yeah. specifically. And I do remember in the script it said that these winds were euphoric. So I had to, I had to get myself to that place. And, and I do remember, I do remember hitting that point where I was getting goosebumps, you know, from my acting preparation or whatever. And overall, I will say that I'm pretty happy with my hair in this episode and nice. my acting and my acting in this episode. No, I thought I you okay did a great, yeah, I thought you did, yeah. it was a great episode. Yeah. I just want to comment that you turn her down. She's getting yeah. all, she's getting all euphoric with you. And you're like, no, 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 we need to go back and we got to save Voyager. You got to tell me about this thing. And I, I just want to say like, this is early in our show. You've already turned down a couple of ladies. You turned down the, the Delaney sisters because you had to work. I was like, come on, let's go see the Delaney sisters. No, you got to work. You turn this girl down. It's a bad pattern, buddy. Um, bad pattern and you know i think people are going to start questioning my sexual preference or something <laughs> because of that they're like yeah. he doesn't like women i don't think you know no so. but you were you were it, honestly uh, it was a very heroic thing and and i i thought that uh in the in the context of the story harry's gestures are very noble and very heroic okay and uh and later on we'll get to it but i, I find paris with the minimal amount of stuff i had to do in this episode yeah i was surprised at his sort of noble and 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 good guy gestures i was like oh wow yeah. that's interesting oh by the way this is directed by les landau um story was by uh david r george iii and eric a stillwell teleplay by michael Perricone and greg elliott just to throw that out there let's but talk about like those players for one second since you brought sure. them up eric mm -hmm. stillwell was married to deborah stillwell uh eric stillwell worked i think as michael pillar's assistant he worked okay. somehow in the writing staff or producers. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure Eric was Michael Pillar's assistant. The story, this story was pitched by Eric Stilwell, which is Which wonderful. is amazing. Which, amazing. Which is yeah. And, uh, and, and Eric's wife, Deborah Stilwell, worked for a lot of the actors, uh, yeah. do, helping with fan mail. She organized mm -hmm. fan mail and mm -hmm. sent, sent out fo signed photos and stuff that we did. And she also would book conventions sometimes for me. That's right. So I worked with Eric's wife for years, yeah, uh, doing conventions, you know, booking conventions with her and things like that. They would also, as a husband-wife team, they would appear at conventions as guest speakers as well. They would talk yeah. about their experiences on Star Trek. So I remember that. Um, so my question to you was: Did you like the briefing room scene? That sh that decision for for Uncle Les, who I like to call Les Lindell, when he has the close-up on Janeway and she's looking out at the stars in the briefing room. And we're having this full on conversation in the background, out of focus. And yes, it was just Janeway. I thought, it, I thought it was very cool. By I, the I way, like every single line in the out of focus background was looped. So we've talked about ADR and looping before uh, recording yep. dialogue. Yep. Because, because she was in a close up in the foreground and in the background, there was no place to get a microphone in close. Um, and, and back then we didn't use those um, Those lavaliers. Our, we didn't really use wireless mics very, almost never on that mm -hmm. show. Right. So, um, so all of that was looped, and I could tell actually. I could tell that those lines were all looped because it didn't yeah. actually feel when you loop loop lines like that. You're not in the same room with the other actors. You're just doing your part. Right. So they piece it together, and it didn't sound like we were actually talking to each other. Like to me. Yeah. Yeah. It's felt a little awkward, but the shot itself I liked. Yeah, I did that like was it. a cool shot. And then at the end, when everyone clears out, 
Alana's still sitting there and Harry comes over and asks her, what's wrong? So again, another bonding moment with, with Kim and Alana, I felt. Mm -hmm. I just want to say, it's interesting because up until this point, Janeway has, it seemed like Janeway had taken Balana under her wing a bit and that they had a special yeah. connection. Yes. But in this scene, in the briefing room, Janeway is really tough on Balana, And she says, do not try to find anything out about that. She basically warns her in, in very stern terms, do not oh, yeah. do anything. Yeah. Which I thought was very interesting, especially in light of, Bolana's going to go down a road, down the dark yeah. side, and break some rules. There's another oh Tuvok moment in this scene because uh, in the briefing room, um, Tuvok's the one that says, "Since they've already said no, this kind of thinking is only going to make you feel worse." Talking about them not sharing their technology, yeah. so he's again the party pooper here. Um, yep. So, and it's also the first time that Tuvok really, and one of the few times that he uses a contraction. He says, since they've, they apostrophe V-E, because typically Tuvok, as a Vulcan, would they say, have. since they have already said no. But he didn't yeah. say that. He said they've. So I don't know if that was a gaffe on the part of the writers. They were like, whoops, they forgot that he doesn't speak that way. So That's an interesting detail. Good catch. Mm -hmm. Thank Good you. Good catch. We did that. And now Janeway's yep. gone down in her party hairdo. I like to call it. She has a whole- <laughs> I like that hairdo. I she's like that got hairdo. her party do going. Yes. Uh -huh. I do have to mention that it was Kim who came up with the idea to tra trade stories. It was Kim's idea to trade stories yes. for the device. So because because he had had that moment with with the girl. Uh, yes. he, he had yes. had that moment where she said that was a noble story, and noble stories are very valuable here. Yeah. Yes. Did you feel any sense of like um, familiarity when Janeway is sharing um, pecan pie with uh, Gath because of the southernness of that? Because uh, that's the, I, I find it. I find it fascinating that whenever we're in the mess hall eating, it's yeah. always this crazy, weird, they, they often put very weird food on our plates to make it look like space food. Alien. But, but when the alien comes over for a visit, Janeway gives him pecan pie. Pecan pie, straight pecan. from the South is what That's it was. Right. So, you know, you spent time there and so did I. So I, I love I, I pecan was, pie. Yeah. So that's I something that it. we, I love it too. It's so yummy. Yeah. Um, when Gath is touching her face, did you notice it almost looks like he's about to strangle her at one point? Did you see that? Like she's talking yep. about, yes, she brings up like wicked like, tree. Yeah, he kind of comes hands and he comes right handsy. up to her neck. Handsy, handsy. handsy. It's really creepy. It's yeah. creepy. Yes. Yeah, and, and now we see that Balana's start, starting to get drawn into the dark side with Seska. And yes. in, in the in the engineering, which yes, like she sort of she, Seska really starts to manifest as yep. the devil on the shoulder kind of character now, like, right? Come She's on, sort of like do this, let's, do this. let's, let's do break this. the rules. Yeah. Oh, it's it's crazy. Um, yep. and I, and it's it's also interesting that she's such a popular character. So many people love the character of Seska because yeah. she really is the maverick of all the, the crew members. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's interesting because Bolana's getting drawn to the dark side and then Bolana talks to Harry about, yeah. Yeah. you know, yeah. come on, let's do this. Like Harry's getting drawn to the dark side too. Yeah. So. 
Well, um, you know, when I get that technology, I have that sec the, the secret meeting with Jarrett or Garrett, Jarrett down there on that planet. I come up and I talk to you guys saying like, I don't know, I got to talk to the captain about this. Then you hear some, somebody from the, some from, from the bridge says, bridge to Ensign Kim, the captain will see you now, which was to me, that's typically how it was like, you know, whenever the executive producers wanted to call us when we were on the show, like so, it would be Brandon's assistant calling saying, uh, yeah, Garrett, this is uh, so-and-so, um, Brandon would like to talk to you like that. Yeah. It would, it would yeah. be one of those things. And I found it odd that that was written into the script that way, right? Yeah. Like, wouldn't Janeway have just said, uh, you know, uh, Janeway to Kim, you know, come to my ready room. You would hear that, but it was right. someone else as the intermediary. So yeah, I thought that was interesting. I don't know who that is, Captain Janeway's secretary. I know. We never <laughs> met. We never met, no. I also wrote down a note that when Janeway beams out, uh, she gives two Vulcan right eyebrow raises. She had, she, a, she, she had she, a lot of eyebrow acting in this episode. It, it was, was. It was yeah. like, she was like giddy with, you know, the crush or whatever on on the, our alien guy with the yeah. Mr. Mr. Hairwire. Yeah. By the way, did they have hair wires in all different colors to match their outfit? Because I, I think they did. Sort of had a purple, then he had brown, and so he changes his hair wire. He okay. changes his hair wire according to what's going on. I guess so. Um, and so then, obviously, it, it's interesting because Seska and, and, and Bellana, they're trying to go down and meet the guy. They can't, and they're, and Carrie, Ensign Carrie, they're all locked out. Yeah. And then we find out it's Tuvok that comes in. And that's what I'm sitting here going, he's not the party pooper now. Look at that. Well, I think it's fascinating because in the previous scene, Janeway really has a deep conversation, which I think is the theme of this whole episode about, about principles, right? About, yeah. Yeah. about, um, about rules and being caught, like whose rules should should rule the day. Like, is it our rules? Is it their rules? Like, why are our rules more important than their rules? Why are our needs more important? So yeah. Janeway has this really in-depth conversation with Tuvok where she really listens to his counsel and, his, and she shares her struggle with this issue. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I thought that scene was really memorable and it, and it set up Tuvok's motivation, his logic that he says yes. later on. Yes. That he was moved by that. I, I felt like the two, the two big scenes with Tuvok, that first scene where she's, pouring out her, her struggle, and then the scene later on where she reprimands him for the choice he made. I felt like Tuvok is really moved. Like the relationship of Janeway and Tuvok allows for Tuvok to be, to be moved sometimes. Yeah. Like emotionally, you can see it, you can sense it. Yeah, and I'm gonna jump a little forward because that very end scene where, where Janeway is, it realized she's been betrayed by Tuvok and they had that whole conversation, that moved me. Uh, to, yeah. to emotionally, like I started getting a little bit teary-eyed on that point. I was like, wow, I'm really being moved by this. And I don't recall yeah. ever being moved by this when I first watched it. And I watched pretty much all these episodes when they were aired originally on TV, right? Yeah. Um, and let's go I back to, so let's go back to, so so she has the conversation with Tuvok and she said, he says, well, the first thing is you need to go talk to him and find out if he's gonna, if, the, if he'll negotiate. So yeah. she goes down there on what ends up being her final date and he's very sensitive. He's very, as soon as she starts sort of being honest about like, you guys are really all about pleasure. And, and I don't think I can trust that because we, we're about committed relationships. He gets really sensitive and offended and like, how yeah. dare you attack me and judge me? Who are you to yeah. judge me? And it's, yeah. it's, uh, 
it was a very short and unfulfilled relationship Janeway had with him. <laughs> Definitely. It was like, whoa, that was a breakup scene. And he, he yeah. flipped out. On, he turned on a dime. It was on just like, he was like, you should stay with us because look, you can do this and do that. And then like, are you questioning my beliefs? Yes, I think you should yes. leave immediately. And you're like, oh my God, calm down. So, and then she and then gives him the double eyebrow. She gives the, the eyebrow acting. And then when she comes back on the ship and has another moment with Tuvok, a brief moment where he says, you know, it doesn't, you know, you're not gonna, he's not gonna negotiate, right? right. And she's really upset. And she's like, yeah. I've got to go to my ready room. She's yeah. really upset. I don't think yep. he, I don't think he ever intended to help us. He was just stringing us along. Yeah. <laughs> she was like, oh, how does All she get so deeply invested in this relationship? Maybe it's the hands. Yeah. Maybe it's all the handsy. All the touching. Her all of a sudden, all of a sudden, she was so, she was this girl in high school, you know. Like, I know. She just like, got jilted oh, by her her high school boyfriend. He never like, cared about me. He was stringing me along, and it was stringing so, me along. Yeah. yeah. I also felt that you know, once we had the trajector matrix, I thought it was how how uh, coincidental that it fits it perfectly. Fit right in. Just like yeah. plink. We have two holes. We have an adapter for alien technologies just in case there's two little receptor holes that we yeah. need. And we it's, had it. So it's also, little... it also, because the line, the moment before they put it in there, she says something like, well, I'm not even sure if this will, Seska says, I'm not even sure if this is going to interface, like if we'll be able right, to. Right, right. And then, oh, but. Oh, yes, it does. <laughs> it's <laughs> perfectly. It's these two holes that are conveniently right here in front of the camera. I guarantee you, if you watch any other episode filmed inside the inside of engineering, you're not going to see that little thing that has two holes. No, ever it was again. just it was just for, for this episode. Yeah. What is your underlying message? What do you I think? think the, for me, the underlying theme is kind of what I've said before. Mm. It's like the the question of you know when our rules and another culture when my rules and someone else's rules are in conflict how do i resolve that how do i you know when when the my code of honor when my code of ethics is different from someone else's code of ethics that's a tough situation because i don't want to compromise my code of ethics but yet i don't i, I want to give them the same respect i don't want to ask them to compromise so we're, it's it's a it's a yeah, it's a morality sort of choice. And I think that to me is the theme. It's about is is the, the difficulty in in finding an answer when your your ethical rules come in conflict with someone else's ethical rules. It's a difficult answer to find. It's diff that, that's a, a bad way of me. Tell, saying my my what I think the theme is. Okay, and I'm going to clarify a little bit more. I'm not going to say underlying thing. I'm going to, I'm going to say what can we get out of this episode to make our lives a better life to live. Okay, yeah. so and I would the say lesson, the lesson the lesson the lesson okay. for to 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 have a a better life. Um, I think that lesson revolves around um, Balana because that that point where where Seska is like you know what, let's erase the sensor logs. Let's just, just say that we didn't do any, any of this stuff. And Balana stops her. She grabs her hand. I guess the touchy feeliness is sort of worn off on all, worn on. And everybody's we're all, touching. Everyone's touching everybody's everybody. Touching, in this. Yeah. Nobody cares about COVID-19 at this point. So there's, there's, they're grabbing and she looks at her and she goes, no. She goes, we will tell the captain. 
and we're going to accept the responsibility of this. And so I really do feel that that is the message here is that you, as human beings, you're going to make a mistake as half Klingon, half human beings, you're going to make a mistake. And when you make a mistake, instead of covering up, covering it up, which is what a lot of people do these days, a lot of people will, will, will deflect um, um, r- r- the responsibility. They will s- they will deflect the blame. They will blame they will blame everyone else around them. And there's there's people like that in in the world that we have been in for sure. Uh, yeah. And that the way the the right way, the way that you're going to be able to live with yourself and be able to sleep at night is to to fess up. You know, accept the responsibility of the mistakes that you make. And you know. You're, of course, in the beginning, once you fess up, the other person's going to be pretty upset with you. But in the long run, it'll work out. Trust mm. me, that person's going to respect the fact that you came out and said, hey, I screwed up, you know. Mm. So that to me was the most. Yeah, important. that's a good lesson. That's a good lesson. Yeah. That's, um, those are both good. Um, so, all right. So just to wrap up our recap. So we get the, we get the thing back. Tuvok says here, do not use this. Again, like everybody's in a morally compromised situation. Tuvok has, he said, do not use this. I'm going to go tell the captain what I did. But they don't, they can't wait. They can't wait. They've got to do it because of the, the, the needing to be in the orbital, uh, you know, in the orbit of this planet for this technology to really work. Mm -hmm. So Seska convinces um, Balana to, to get this thing going and they get it going and now it's starting to destroy the ship the warp core is being destroyed it's a they're having a breach it's a you know we could kill everyone yep. and uh luckily balana is able to deactivate to literally fire her phaser at uh at this technology and destroy it and and stop this from happening yeah and then yes like you said seska wants to hide what they've done Alana in a big character growth moment says, Nope, I'm gonna I'm gonna fess up to it. And and she's proud. She's proud. The final scene is in the ready room, right? Yep. Where 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 Janeway just just tells Balana that she's very disappointed with her and and if this ever happens again, she will no longer be an officer. And this is when she also has the betrayal moment with Tuvok knowing and says, I'll talk to you in a second. I'm going to do a quick little reenactment of the last three lines when, after, with just Janeway and Tuvok. Janeway <clears throat> starts off, I realize you made a sacrifice for me, but it's not one I would have allowed you to make. You can use logic to justify almost anything. That's its power and its flaw from now on. Bring your logic to me. Don't act on it behind my back. You have my word. My logic was not an error, but I was dismissed. Ta-da. Oh, nice. <laughs> I'll work nice. on my Tuvok. Sometimes I don't get Tuvok perfectly. But that was good. No, that was, it was a very moving scene, the scene it was Tuvok. And, uh, you know, it was a very kind of sad, melancholy sort of ending with her. You know, she turned her back to him and dismissed him, yeah. her back to him, which was just sort of disconnected. And there's mm-hmm. every, everyone sort of had a bit of a loss. I mean, we lost the technology that might have gotten us home. There was a loss yeah. there. Yeah. It was Janeway's loss of, of maybe that romance that she thought might happen or something. Yeah. Loss of 
esteem, self-esteem or hope. And, you know, that was the sense I had at the end of the episode. But I thought it was a really good episode. I also think yeah. that a lot of these first season one episodes, they show, they show a lot of B story with, with Tom and Harry. You know, there's a lot of that. And I think that's, how, that's what made us, that, that's what endeared us to a lot of the fans where people say, yeah. God, we love the Tom and Harry friendship. And because they did give us that attention in the beginning, you know, and mm. I think that sort of, we, we grew on everybody to start off with. All right, that is our recap of Prime Factors. And um, tune in next week when we talk about State of Flux. Cool. Thanks, Robbie. Thanks. See you next week. Bye.